Hey everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Locked In Baseball Podcast. And I want to, you know, take a minute, take a minute to welcome a good friend of mine. Um, you know, he's been in baseball for such a long time at the college level for for you know for years, but now he's at the professional level, serving as an area scout with the Miami Marlins. Uh, James Valet, James, thanks for joining us today, man. I really appreciate you taking the time. Joe, thanks for having me on. Yeah, and so um, you know, first, you know, I like to, you know, for you know welcome you and but you know just kind of let you kind of take the mic for a little bit and talk about you know who you are what you've done you know in the game you know your college experience um you know recently you were at Oklahoma State or more recently you were at Oklahoma State as a as a recruiting coordinator there but you know that transition into professional baseball and you know how kind of all that came suit and you know just you know a little bit about yourself and how um, you know, what your involvement has been in the game over the years. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, first off, I, I graduated from Baylor University in 1995. I was fortunate enough to play in a great program in Waco, Texas, and graduated from Baylor, got into college coaching. I actually took a head college coaching job when I was 23 years old at the University of Dallas in Irving, Texas. It was a job that was um, coming back from an 18-year absence, so it was a it was a difficult startup uh, going from zero, but ended up having uh, four really good years at the University of Dallas, and uh, team had all four teams had success, and <clears throat> had a chance to move on to Oral Roberts University and be the hitting coach for a year. Uh, as you know, Oral Roberts University is usually in that postseason every year in that NCAA tournament. You know, they've had a strong program for a long time. And then for the next eight years, I, I spent eight years at the University of Texas at Tyler uh, as the head baseball coach, and it was a startup baseball program again. So for me, the opportunity to start two NCAA programs from zero uh, was a, a unique uh, plus in, in my coaching career because, you know, very challenging, but one thing about starting from zero is, is you get to build. And we're not, you know, recovering, we're not adjusting, we're just building. Uh, so th- those were really fun experiences, and you know the UT Tyler run was uh, was amazing. We actually had a season where we won uh, 36 games in a row in 2007. So so good times there. Great great program still. And then from there, I found myself in Double A uh, coaching for the Texas Rangers. I spent six years in Double A as a hitting coach and infield coach uh, with the Rangers. Got to coach a lot of big time guys that uh, are current major leaguers: Elvis Andrews, Joey Gallo. Uh, Rugnetto door. So I got to spend a lot of time on the field and player development. <clears throat> and then the opportunity to go to Oklahoma State came up um, at the end of the, you know, 2015 minor league season. They had a coaching opening and uh, it was, it was a, a great, unique challenge for me to go into Oklahoma State. I, I think for a team uh, that was really, really strong in the 80s and was looking to kind of build back into that, uh, you know, what Cowboy baseball is all about. They, they hadn't been to Omaha <clears throat> in 19 years, hadn't won a game in Omaha in 22. So I think the standard of getting back to Omaha was one of the things that I really kind of fell in love with about the job. And my first year back, we got to Omaha. We won a few games. And in the time I was there, we put together uh, two Big 12 championships and uh, you know, went to four regionals, uh, won two of them, and super regionals and all that good stuff. So it was, it was fun. And um, recently, I, I think a lot of people are, are aware that uh, the Marlins had an ownership change. Uh, Derek Jeter um, and some others had bought the team. And the Marlins decided to kind of move forward on structuring their future and the opportunity to, to run an area for the Marlins came up and now I'm in scouting and it's, um, it's amazing. And the Marlins is, is definitely 
a unique organization with their leadership and, and the plan for the future. So it's been, been an incredible journey. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've done so much. I mean, you've been, you know, pretty much at every level, you know, all the way, you know, as a development guy in, in pro ball and then back to division one baseball. Um, and now on the scouting side, I mean, obviously they're, you know, scouting and development, they're two separate things within, you know, um, an organization, but, you know, I mean, really, you know, you have, I think you have to be on the development side first, you know, I, I mean, obviously you were, you know, you played and you coached at a high level, but you have to really understand the intricacies there and the attention to detail, um, you know, with, with, you know, how players go about their work and go about their business to really evaluate the talent, uh, on the scouting side. So, I mean, you know, your, your experience, you know, in the scouting department with Miami, I mean, how, how has that been for you? Um, you know, is this something you see, you, you know, I mean, with baseball kind of evolving the way it is, I mean, do you see that there's going to be some, some major changes on the scouting side um, of, of baseball, you know, coming up with, you know, a five-round draft and, you know, all that stuff coming up for, for, for this year? You know, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to say on what the major changes may be in scouting. I, I think a lot of the current major changes in scouting uh, have really – uh, really surrounded technology and finding different ways to evaluate guys and, and finding value in different metrics and things that, um, you know, that can equate to success or failure. Uh, the one thing that we do really well is we marry the analytics and the evaluation and how the scouts feel together to evaluate a player, which I think, uh, you know, Gary Denbo <clears throat> runs our scouting and player development. I think that's a healthy approach uh, to identifying players. And, you know, that was one of the most impressive things that I saw with the Marlins out of the gate. But as far as the changes go, I think it's a wait and see right now. With a five-round draft, obviously we've all gone out and worked for a 40-round draft. Mm-hmm. And then the possibilities of it being cut cut in half and then it's 10, it might be five. I think the work has been put in for a 40-round draft. It's, I know it's disappointing to a lot of amateur players. There's going to be a lot of really good players that, that are not afforded the opportunity to go play professional baseball this year. Mm-hmm. But as far as the departments go and the priorities, and I know, Joe, you've been in the game a long time as well, but the value of scouting and getting to know a player, what makes them tick, that's one of the things that, that, that I was afforded the opportunity to do coaching for the Rangers was, you know, I got to be on the field for six years with guys in double A, uh, got to work with major leaguers that came down to, to our facility on rehab assignments. Um, you know, no, no, no major leaguer was ever excited to be in Frisco, Texas on a rehab assignment, but it's part of the process. And that was, that was one of our jobs was to help guys get ready to go back up. But I, I think, you know, as far as where we go in, in the, in the scouting industry, um, I, I feel like to your point before, I feel like my, my opportunities on the field in AA have helped me with scouting and putting that together with a, a recent stint four years, um, at a, at a power five team. And then going into scouting and then having been in player development, it, it all really married together for me where um, I, I think I had some advantages that other guys just haven't had the experience to have. But as far as the future goes, it, it's really hard to say. It really is. Yeah. And hopefully this is, you know, somewhat temporary in the sense that, you know, this doesn't happen every year. You know, I mean, I know there's fears of like COVID being a, you know, an annual thing for us and hopefully it doesn't, you know, doesn't evolve into that. But I mean, if it does, you know, 
I mean, I hope that, you know, Major League Baseball and, you know, all these other, you know, large sporting venues or whatever we want to call it, I hope that we're able to adapt and just be, you know, just find a way to still be successful and, and be safe and, and you know, still be able to provide the, the type of entertainment and the type of uh, um, atmosphere, you know, for, for fans and for the, you know, for the players too. I mean, I mean, this is their livelihood. It's the way they go. You know, it's what they, what the, you know, their walk of life and what they choose to do to provide for their family. So, I mean, everybody's, I mean, you know, obviously everybody is affected by, by all this, but um, you know. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the quest to get it back to normal uh, is desirable by everybody. I, I think that if the survey went out, it would be a hundred percent. Let's just kind of get, get it back to what it was and, and move on. I, I think you hit on a few great topics of, um, you know, the, the value of baseball being in, in our lives and the entertainment value it provides and, and you know, um, just the love of the sport that we all have for it. You know, I think you also hit on the point of keeping it safe. So I think it's clo- we'll take as close to normal if that's an option. But I know the safety is the concern for uh, for everybody, the players involved, the people that are working, and and that's that's really what's going to come to pass here in the next month is is what safety measures are going to come out that uh, everybody has to abide to because it is a scary time. It really is. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, with that, you know, let's kind of switch gears a little bit and you know just talk about you know uh, a really you know a project that's been, been been near and dear to your heart for you know some few years now um as you know founder of keeper of the game um you know kind of discuss about you know what you know what what the premise is there and how it came to be um and you know talk about how you know it's it's more than you know baseball's more than just you know just a game or a sport you know it's a way that we could pour into you know each other's lives and be you know, impactful in ways that that's beyond the field, you know, and I, you know, I real first of all, I want to commend you for what you've done with this. It's been, um, you know, after learning this from, you know, learning about keeper of the game from you uh, several years back, I mean, it's kind of always been, you know, in my heart to just kind of one, I just wanted to come back and tell you, like, I really appreciate what you do for the game and what you do for, you know, people involved in it and, 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 you know, just away from the field, you know, you really do a great job with all that. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate that, man. And, um, I know I got to spend some time with you and your organization and talking about keeper of the game and, and we value those opportunities. The one, the one thing that, that happened, um, to me in 2013 in the off season was I, I just had a, a strong call to, to, to start a foundation for kids with special needs and disabilities in and around the game of baseball. And that's what we do. We, we, we support kids, uh, that aren't as fortunate as, as us, um, the kids that are playing the game and, what we try to do is we try to bridge the gap between baseball and the special needs community. And we do this by creating programming for the special needs community to be a part of, but we also support existing programming, uh, programs like Miracle League, Challenger League, Angel League, Special Olympics. We've been partners with Special Olympics for, you know, for over five years now. And basically it, it, it became a way for us to, to really share the game. And, and go, go beyond the baselines that we're crossing on the field and, and create another baseline and, and bring these, you know, bring these kids, uh, to us personally and, and have them be really, really involved. And I, I remember when I was coaching in the minor league, our foundation did, uh, a big wheelchair donation 
for a special needs league because some of the kids in the league didn't have um, the, the wheelchair to play in. And um, obviously it's expensive. And we, we did this, we did this wheelchair presentation and, you know, Joey Gallo was, was front and center. He was front and center with us. And, and to see a guy like that in double in a pouring into the community and now watching Joey in the big leagues, um, you know, a big time player in the show now for the, for the Texas Rangers to watch him still connecting in the community we just really appreciate his identification for community need. You know, and that's one of the things that, that Joey was great with and Elvis Andrews the same. I mean, what, what we're trying to do is we're trying to share the game and we're trying to do it in a way where, where we can feel the value of, of what the game can bring to a player beyond hitting three home runs in a game, beyond winning a championship, um, beyond throwing a no hitter. And I, I think this really ties into um, as, as somebody who spent a lot of time in amateur baseball, you know, the who you become along the way factor is really important. And I think helping young athletes identify community need and having them, you know, activate their strengths and their abilities, whether it's time, treasure, or talent into the special needs community or, or into any part of the community that has a need, I think that's a valuable lesson for, uh, for all of our players to, to learn. And, and I really appreciate your kind words about Keeper of the Game. We've got some incredible people that volunteer and we've um we've had a big impact it's been a blast yeah and i know you shared a story with our organization or our program a couple of years back and um i mean it's really you know really touching and you know kind of you know what what inspired you to to create this um and you know i don't know if that's something you want to share here but i really feel like that was just so compelling for our guys i mean we got from our players and our families, like they were like, I, I know we had, I think Eric Backich from, you know, University of Michigan spoke as well. I think that time. Um, right. And I, I mean, he did a great job. He always does, but you know, what we, you know, what our guys took home from, um, from that event that, that, you know, we had you um, attend or you attended and you spoke at, um, they were really moved by, you know, by, by what you, what you had to say. Um, and, you know, there's, I mean, we're, we're, and what we're trying to do with this podcast is just try to, you know, share different perspectives about, you know, that, uh, of baseball, you know, because for, you know, as you know, I'm, I'm, I'm involved in travel ball and a lot of times, you know, it's so hard for, for our players and our families and even our staff to look past, you know, next weekend's tournament, you know, and, right, right. um, you know, we, you know, I feel like, and I've said it a few times over the last you know, several episodes that, you know, it's like we, we create this bubble around us where it's so we, we become so short-sighted and, and we think the game is way smaller than it really is. Um, but what it's really about is, you know, creating, you know, lasting relationships in this game so that, you know, one, you could feed into people and you could pour into them um, using, you know, using baseball and, you know, and, and they could reciprocate. And so, you know, as the game grows, so does that, you know, that sense of community and, and, you know, the ability for people that have a strong platform within baseball to be able to uh, create that impact um, and, and contribute to society in, in just so many different ways. Um, you know, so for, you know, for me personally, I think, I mean, I, I, I've heard that, you know, the story, from you several times about, you know, how this, you know, how keeper of the game came to be and what inspired that, um, you know, and, you know, it's just so, um, it's so moving, you know, and I, I, I mean, I've tried to, I've tried to like tell some people like the, the guys that in the families that couldn't make that, um, 
make that talk that you gave that day. Um, right. you know, I've tried to like recreate it and I couldn't, <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, I tried try to, you know, I tried to, you know, give this, I'm, I'm just not as good of a storyteller. So, um, but you know, what, what you've done is, um, and like you said, you've, you've, you know, you've been able to take it beyond, you know, just doing what you do on the field, but, you know, incorporate other large, you know, organizations and not nonprofits and, and, you know, you've been able to include them in what you do to help, you know, to help, um, um, kind of feed into them, but also like what you did, like after, you know, with, with Carlos, uh, Ramirez and, and, you know, in, in supporting, you know, um, a movement in, in Puerto Rico after those storms several years back where you're able to send out supplies or food, or I'm not sure exactly what you sent, but I just remember like on social media, just seeing you guys going to work with that. And that was amazing, man. Like, I, I mean, I wish I could have done more for those, um, for that because I, I mean, I spent some time out there in Puerto Rico with him as well with, with, uh, with the Beltran Academy and stuff like that. But, um, mine's all on field stuff. Mine's all, you know, going out there and running, you know, instructional stuff, you know, and, and, um, I mean, shoot, just the, the time you put into this stuff is just amazing and what you've invested into, it's amazing, man. So, you know, you know, thanks again for all that and, and being an inspiration and, you know, I mean, shoot, I mean, what, I mean, what else do you guys, you know, have going on with keeper of the game or, um, you know, going on in baseball outside of that? I mean, do you have, um, is there, is there more, is there more that meets the eye than just what I can see on the website or, you know, on your YouTube channels or anything like that? Yeah, there, there's, there's definitely, there's definitely more to it. And, you know, the story that you're, that you're referencing that we, that we told to the huge crowd, I was like, when I, when I saw everybody assembled at that uh, AAA ballpark in Vegas um, for the camp and, and, and the talk, it was, it was an amazing experience for me. Um, just, you know, real quick, the story about a five-year-old boy who wanted to be a major league baseball player. And when he finally got a chance to get in front of me and, and show me what he could do, in baseball, um, at the end of the time we had together, he, he laid down on the ground. He pulled up his, his, his blue jean pants and he took off prosthetic legs. And I didn't, I didn't know that he had prosthetic legs, but I knew he wasn't going to be a major league player. You know, it would be impossible. But what he taught me about courage and what he taught, taught me about being a champion and no excuses. And I mean, it's something that I took with me through, you know, my entire career still to this day. And Hollis is, he, I think about Hollis every time I go to a ballpark. I mean, it's, it's an amazing, impactful story. And, um, for a kid that didn't get to go play major league baseball, he did get, get to go play wheelchair basketball in college, which is pretty amazing. So he's, he's one of, he's, he's one of the guys that has inspired me. And as far as, um, you know, the value of what keeper of the game does, you know, I kind of, I kind of simplify keeper of the game through, through this story. Um, my, my oldest son, he just turned 21 years old and he was drafted by the Colorado Rockies in 2017. He was, he was fortunate enough to be their first pick. He was overall number 48. And, you know, I had a reporter ask me, well, you're a coach and you have a son that plays, you know, what do you, what do you tell your son? Like, what do you, like, what are you trying to do? I mean, you still like coach him a lot. Do this? And like all the questions started coming out. And I said, uh, I said, Jack, I said, I can tell you this. I said, I give him the same message every night before every game that he plays every game. And I say, I love you, play winning baseball, share the game. And the share the game part of it is directly related to keeper of the game. I mean, share, share the game with everybody. And so what we have on the, on the horizon with keeper of the game 
is we just we just launched um, a clinic series uh, that's going to start in Texas in the fall and then in the late spring next year when everything opens opens back up called RP11 and RP11 one of uh, one of our founding fathers of Keeper of the Game was one of my teammates at Baylor University named Ron Patterson he recently passed away and we're we're carrying on his legacy through RP11 which is Ron Patterson number 11 and what we're going to do is we're going to hold um, local events for kids with special needs and disabilities and have kind of an activity time where they can get on the fields and they can learn the game and, and just have, really have fun and then play a simulated game where uh, the special needs kids get to be the all-stars. And so that's one thing that we've, that we've just done. And, you know, on another note, Joe, um, we had a, a local uh, select coach uh, named Pat Woods. And Pat is – um, he's a longtime select coach here. He's originally from California. He's a great dude. And, you know, we got a call that, um, that Pat had about 7% kidney function and was in dire straits. And we were able to provide some funding that, that helped Pat with what he needed to get through his kidney transplant. And, you know, I talked to him the other day, man, he's up and running and he's, he's doing great. So there are some things behind the scenes that we don't, um, that we don't, you know, necessarily put out there. But there's there's daily impact and there's there's life changing things for uh, myself, the players, the parents, and then you know really what it comes down to is for anybody that's listening to this, whether you're a, a, a part of keeper of the game or or not, just believe in the movement. You know, believe in identifying community need and believe in helping others because that's what's going to make this whole thing work. And when we can do this through the great game of baseball, we all win. We all win. Yeah. And, and I completely agree. And, um, you know, it's just, you know, that story about Hollis and, um, you know, what it's, what it's done for you. I mean, this, I mean, there's so many, there's so much inspiration you could find in the game. Um, if you just look for it, uh, and, and you know, kind of, you know, like I said, like we're, you know, sometimes we tend to keep ourselves in this bubble where, you know, we focus on the wrong things, um, in, you know, in baseball and life in general, but, you know, since this is a baseball podcast in, in baseball and, you know, we, is we, we get so short-sighted um, and we don't realize, you know, what, what kind of um, influence we can have, um, you know, outside of, you know, what we're, you know, what our comfort zone is. So, you yeah, know, well said, well said. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I want, I mean, congratulations on the, on the gig with Miami and no, you know, thank you. And I didn't get a chance to, to congratulate you um, back when you got, you know, when you got the job and, um, you know, that transition back from college ball to professional baseball. I mean, you know, what you've done in the game, what you continue to do. Um, I mean, it's, it's just incredible, man. And, uh, yeah, I, I enjoy following, you know, following you and, and, um, seeing what you're up to next. And, you know, um, if there's ever anything that either myself or, you know, what we can do in our base, you know, our small baseball community over here to kind of, um, to kind of facilitate anything for you and, and keeper of the game. I mean, by all means, you know, go ahead, please reach out. And, um, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. And then the biggest thing for a lot of the coaches that are listening and really trying to tie into uh, maybe something related to kids with special needs and, and disabilities. If, if there's, if there's a local league that supports kids with special needs and disabilities, um, if they email info at keeperofthegame.org, we have a national game ball program where, Joe, if you have a local group that supports kids with special needs and disabilities uh, through baseball and they, they, they have a league, we will, we will supply their game balls for the whole year 
and we'll do it for your organization. We don't send it from Keeper of the Game. We send it on behalf of Keeper of the Game, and we send it to your organization so it's presented by you as a part of us. So that's how we're, that's how we're building, you know, the bigger team for Keeper of the Game, and, and that's what we are. I mean, there's kids out there that have, um, you know, your team to play on, or they play at Cal State Fullerton, or they play at Baylor or Texas, or they play for the Rockies or the Marlins or the Yankees. The keeper of the game kids, they're our team. Like we're their logo. Like we, we are their uniform. We're their hat. We are, you know, we have, we have so many special needs kids around the DFW area that when you see them, that's all they have on. They have their keeper of the game hat because that's their team. And when someone says, what is that? They're like, Oh, this is my team. And so what's really, what's really cool is that it's, it's been embraced from, you know, the, the youngest player that'll ever play and the oldest player that's ever played. You know, we, we've got such a, such a wide stretch. And, um, as you mentioned before, guys like Carlos Ramirez, my goodness, there's, there's not, there's not many better people in the game of baseball like him, man. He is, he's a special guy. He really is. He's, um, I always say when I grow up, I want to be just like Carlos, you know? <laughs> so, um, so he's, he's a good, he's a good dude and he's an inspiration to me because he's, I know he, he, he has passion and I, I appreciate that. Yeah. And it's guys like that and guys like you that, you know, they're, you're, you guys are really good for, for the game at any level, you know, at, you know, and what, you know, that's just, it's so hard to come across, you know, people like that, that know, you know, it's, well, you know, one that know baseball to the capacity you guys know it, but also, you know, the, it's just a type of people you are. I mean, you know, with, the, with both of those character traits, it's just, you know, you guys are so perfect for, you know, for the roles you guys play in, in you know, in young players' lives. So, well, um, Thank you. I, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, so. so, I mean, but we're kind of getting to that time, you know, and I wanted to, you know, again, thank thank you, James, for, for, Absolutely. You know, for making this time for us and, and for me. And, you know, off, you know, when we get off the record, maybe we can discuss different ways we can, um, you know, we can maybe collaborate a little bit more because we have a – you know, we have a um, an organization that we run um, where we're just trying to find the right um, in in my dad's foundation, the Mike Spears Foundation, where we're just trying to f- find the right avenues to be able to give back to the game the way we can. And with with this whole COVID thing, you know, it's just kind of yeah, that's going to have have to pivot as well and make a different sure, um, you know, take a different direction slightly. You know, so yeah. um, seems like a a good opportunity um, to maybe work together on some stuff. But you know, absolutely, yeah, but. Seriously, thank you so much. Um, don't want to take up too much of your time and or the listeners' time. Um, and you know, you, you you're just you're just you're just an amazing influence on on people, including myself. So, um, but yeah, thanks, James. Well, Joe, thank you very much for having me on, and um, keep that podcast rolling, man. I appreciate it. And to everybody listening, thanks for listening in. And um, you know, if you have a moment, which I'm sure you do. Go ahead and click the, you know, subscribe button to the podcast on either, you know, whether it's Apple or Spotify, uh, leave a rating and review and tell a friend. Um, Till next time, you know, I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks again. (laughs) 